You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I am your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, October 4th, and it is Dallas week, people. The storylines and all the narratives have already started to fill up our feeds, and we are ready. Joining me today uh, to talk about how good this team has looked uh, through the first four weeks, if they could keep it up against Dallas, are my guys, as always, joining me on Wednesday, John Chapman and Wayne Breezy. You guys ready for the game? on Sunday? I was born ready. I'm from the East Coast. We ready. I'm telling you right now, this is better than ready. Like, this is Dallas. This is Niners. This is classic 80s, 90s, 2000s. Really wasn't a thing in 2000s. But you know what I'm trying to say. We ready, baby. Yeah, I... I am just like, it's marinating. You know what I mean? Like, I do not... A lot of times I'm just like, man, hurry up and get to the game. This week is not that. I want all of the hate. I want all of the anger. I want all of the memories just to just keep freaking marinating. And I, I want it all. And I, I'm so pumped to be there at the game and just enjoy this moment. Bringing my 15-year-old out, which he's nice. never been to a Cowboys game, 49ers game before. So, uh, and, you know, just bringing him in, indoctrinating him into this rivalry. So I am very, very excited. Hopefully he gets to witness a win. And, you know, basically what John was saying is he wants all the smoke this week. That's that was all of a translation it. of what he said. And I see you got the Jerry Rice jersey in the back. You 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 played it vintage this week. I like yeah, that. so this is my origin story. I don't know if I've shared this with you, Steph, but I, I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I forced my stepdad to buy me this jersey uh, for my 10th birthday, and this is how I became a Niners fan. So it's the same jersey, so I had to bring it out this week just to remind everybody it. this is personal. Um, this is personal. I love it. I love that energy. And as always, guys, we have a fun show for you guys today. It's always fun when you're talking about a 4-0 team. Guys, I know it's early, but this team – and this offense in particular, I think, has the potential, and if it isn't already, to be the best 49ers offense we've seen in a very long time or ever, depending on when you were born. <laughs> like, for me, it might be ever. But for you guys, I don't know. Um, not calling you guys old, but, you know, you, you guys I felt are it. a little I bit. I felt it. You were <laughs> I right. I don't even care. a little older like... than me, I think. I think. <laughs> uh, so, but I'm getting up there in age. I got to stop saying things like that because, like, at this point, I, I'm kind of old too, so I gotta I gotta stop making these comments. But anyway, like yeah, I mean, first time in franchise history this team has scored 30 or more more points in the first four games of the season. In fact, the 49ers have scored 30 or more points in eight of Brock's nine regular season starts. Only one that he did not score 30 was when he was dealing with that rib injury against the Seahawks last season. So that's 30 or more points in seven consecutive games dating to the end of last year's regular season. That's the longest streak since 1970. This team is cooking right now. But what do you guys think? Is this like one of the best 49ers offenses that we've seen? I know it's early in the season, but one of the best that we've seen in a while. I think it's easy to say that it is. I mean, especially if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, we've had some dominant offenses, and no one will ever replace uh, a Jerry Rice, a John Taylor, uh, Joe Montana, later on the Steve Youngs, the Jeff Gar No one will to the Terrell Owens. You can't replace that, but what the Niners have is something like that I've never seen done in history. They have top players at about every position on the offensive side. We're not even going to talk about defense. We're cooking on both sides, but just offensively, quarterbacks playing top football. Brandon Ayuk's probably the best wide receiver in football. I don't care what anybody says. Debo Samuel, the best weapon in football. Then you go with Christian McCaffrey. And then you go to the trenches with the offensive line and Trent Williams. We haven't used George Kittle yet. We haven't used Kyle Juszczyk, even though they sent him on the corner route. And if that ball was there, oh, my gosh. I mean, it was a flag on the play. But at the end of the day, we got a fullback running corner routes? What in the hell? All I'm saying is this has the potential to be the best offense we've ever seen. And I know that's going to be strike the, the older 49er fans, the nostalgic guys out there. I'm one of them. But I'm telling you, we're seeing history being made right before our eyes. We just got to stay on course and keep, keep, like you say, cooking with gas. Yeah, I, I think 
you're on pace. It's been a month. You're through a quarter of the season, which is beautiful. But like, if we just look at the Arizona game, you scored touchdowns on every single possession except for three, right? One of them, you nailed the ball out before the half. One of them, you nailed the ball out before the second half. You really only had one possession that didn't net a touchdown. That was it. Um, and that was a three and out. Uh, you got the sack. You had the missed snap. And it that was it. So you're talking about a team that is just so stinking efficient. There are some red flags. It seems like you answered a lot of those last week with the red zone yeah. touchdown percentage and whatever else. But then they go five for five. So they, they watching the show. Kyle's watching the show. <laughs> it's really traces of 1994 for me. Um, just the definitely see you look back at Steve Young. That was by far one of the most efficient quarterback seasons of all time for any franchise. And Brock is, he's on pace to better that. And that's what's absolutely crazy. Maybe not touchdown wise, but yardage points per game wise, EPA wise, all those nerdy metrics that we all want to buy into. Brock's up there and he just has to, if he can continue this pace, which seems almost impossible, there's going to be a turnover eventually, right? Right. Turnover, yeah. A turnover, yeah. But I mean, if, yeah. if we're waiting for him to turn into a pumpkin, like, I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't I, know. I, he's, yeah, not a pump. I don't he's not a pumpkin. He's, he's not a pumpkin. I am drinking pumpkin spice and- latte in my coffee currently. Yuck. There you go. I'm just, hey, don't, don't you judge my pumpkin spice. Don't you do that. That's my biggest vice. But Brock Purdy's no pumpkin, man. This dude, he's doing what he needs to do and then some. And the people out mm-hmm. there saying Brock Purdy's just, you know, Shanahan and he's just got all these weapons. Well, if that's the case, how come every single one of his games is better than any other quarterback that has been in this system? It's not like it's just, oh, well, he's just a guy. No, Nick Mullins was a guy. C.J. Beathard was a guy. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was better than a guy. And Brock Purdy's way better than that. So I, I'm getting a little frustrated. I know a lot of people are, too. Brock Purdy, he deserves some of these flowers because he's putting up yeah. incredible. And he's throwing all these back shoulder fades. It's not like they're all layups. He's worked like, on those. Oh, I just like the deep ball. I kept saying, let him keep He's throwing right. it deep. Mm-hmm. Like, let, it, let him keep. Well, I don't care if it's off. I don't care if it's on. I don't care if it's slightly off. Like, let him keep throwing the ball down the field. And, and you know, he's, I, I think the best part of Brock Purdy and what we're seeing before our eyes is like we, we're seeing the birth of a quarterback, but now you're seeing the, the, the growth and the adaptation of how he's learning consistently on the, uh, over the game. And I think we talked about it last week, his adaptation ability, like the ability to be able to adapt or, like I say, learn quick on the fly, learn, learning mm-hmm. on the fly. Like that's, that's what I'm loving about Brock. Purdy so he has and that's what makes him have that it factor that's what a part of the it factor is if you're faced with something can you adjust to it very quickly and be efficient and do it well right and that's what we're seeing from Brock Purdy so in this past game you know they didn't blitz heavily like they did in week three but they definitely were trying to get at him right obviously but this dude didn't see the defense coming so he had time to throw the ball down the field and look you can critique his throws. You can say they were slightly off. But when you got pass catchers that can catch a back daggone football, you get it to him. I don't care. That's what you do. You get it to him. You give them an opportunity to do it. Brock seized the moment. Carpe diem and those opportunities. He went four for four on them balls down the field. That's what I like to see. And I'm glad Kyle Shanahan isn't dialing it back. And the thing that I'm loving more than anything about this offense is each week we get a different layer peeled off what will the layer be this week that's so true that's a good point look it is brocktober but this man is no pumpkin okay it, and we were just <laughs> okay, we were stop! just talking we were just talking that was a bar that's kind of a bar uh but we were just talking about nostalgia and like the history and how you know this team so far it's been a month is like competing to be one of the best we've seen in a while. Brock Purdy is the first quarterback to throw for at least a thousand yards in the first four games of the season since Jeff Garcia did it back in 2000. And, you know, we were having a conversation last week about the E word, right? And I want to revisit the conversation a little bit. And I, I you know, I brought in some stats to, to help the case. Look, I don't know if I'm ready to put. Brock Purdy in the category of elite quarterback, because in my mind, that's a little bit different. And, um, 
you know, he's play, he's it, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. But I don't think anyone can deny the fact that he is playing like an elite quarterback right now. He's playing like a top 10 quarterback right now. And he's in the top 10 in a lot of categories through the first four weeks of the season, including first and QB rating. His completion percentage is 72.3. That's behind just Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. He's in the top 10 in yards on the season, despite being bottom 10 in passing attempts among quarterbacks who have started multiple games this season. And that's because he's being super efficient in this offense with the football. 9.1 yards per attempt is second in the league right now. It's hard to argue with these numbers, guys. I mean, people aren't giving Brock his respect. Like, they're not paying enough attention, I don't think. And it's crazy to me how many people I still see, like, not – not paying attention to what Brock is doing. Like it's so obvious to me when people aren't actually watching the games. Yes. Because of the things that they say about him. If you're watching the games and if you watch more than one game, all right, I think you would clearly see this kid is special. And yeah, I think every week we're we're seeing something new because every week we're seeing an, an, another attempt of an opposing team trying to stop what he's been able to do so far. And and so far, there's not too many weaknesses. Really, the worst he's maybe looked, and it, it wasn't even that bad, was against the Cowboys in the playoffs uh, last season. So maybe that's like the perfect, uh, you know, way that will segue into it later. Um, not ready to talk about that matchup yet, but this week is huge, right? Like for for a number of different reasons. But all I know is through the first month of the season, Brock Purdy looks like a top ten quarterback. Again, he's seizing every stinking moment. And I and I think the thing about Brock, you know, he's hearing all the stuff that we hear, but he's finding a way to tune it out, and he's going out there and putting up the numbers, right? He's going out there being the best quarterback he can be week in and week out. And for me, I, I, I maybe – I know if I was Brock, I'm not Brock, but if I'm Brock, please keep doubting me. Please keep the stuff coming. Please keep the smoke coming. Please, just please keep doing it because all it's doing is fueling my fire. I'm hoping the moment he does get labeled that elite, it doesn't change his mentality or preparation on how to play football or whatnot. But every week he's tested, and every week he's been passing the test. And this isn't about wins or losses for me. Look, I, I don't, I, I, we're gonna lose at some point. I don't know what that point is, but we're gonna lose a game. This is not about wins and losses. This is about him winning in the moment and 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 getting over those hurdles and those tests. If we, if Brock played a, a game and it came down to the wire, and and we were on a two minute drive and we just didn't capitalize off of it, the dude still gets the flowers for me. Like you get what I'm saying because he's keeping us in the moment. He's keeping us in the game. So he's still going to be tested. We'll talk about the test that's coming up week five. But Brock, elite or not, he's playing damn good football. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'll I'll say this. Like, first, what is elite? You got to kind of define what that means for you. Is that a top five? Is that somebody that can win the game on their own? Yeah, whatever. And I'll be honest, if you put every single starting quarterback and you go through a combine performance, Brock Purdy ain't coming out top five. But guess what? That doesn't have to happen ever again, and it won't happen again. There is no more combine for NFL quarterbacks. That's in the past. But what I can tell you is this Mamma Jamma sure as hell was elite last week versus the Cardinals whenever he went 20 for 21 and was absolutely incredible. And so... Does he have the best arm strength? Is he big, tall, and strong? Is he fast? No, I don't give a damn. That's not what puts points on the board. And I'm getting frustrated because, like you said, Steph, I keep getting all these clips sent to me and DM'd me and tagged me, and it's these people that don't even watch games that work for networks, and it's just like, why do I have to argue with these people that don't even watch the 49ers play football? Like, these guys don't even know what the hell they're talking about. And so it's it's sad that the national narrative is created by, you know, these these certain people. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? That's why these shows, people like Steph, people like Wayne um, have success because people want actual football knowledge and news and people that are informed. And that's why I'm glad to be here with you guys today, because you're writing the incorrect narratives that these jack wagons keep putting out there on a daily basis. 
Sorry. And shout out Johnny Dells, because uh, speaking of Purdy, so <laughs> <laughs> it was late. My bad. <laughs> speaking of Purdy, he said uh, he's just making his 12th start. That's mind boggling. And I, you know, if Johnny Dell, who, by the way, runs a great channel and, you know, puts out great videos of, you know, Brock and, and all the throws, check that one out from this past week if you haven't yet. Um, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, I'll tell you who doesn't know what he's talking about. Nick Wright, who I guess recently, you know, within the last day, said that he trusts Geno Smith over Brock Purdy. Um, that's that's see that this is the disrespect I'm talking about, and this is the stuff where it's like, are you even watching the games, like to to make these crazy statements? I know Geno Smith is playing some good football, but what Brock Purdy is doing right now is on a different level. He's Can really I not, say though. something real quick, though? I never thing. knew Nick Wright sounded like that. I've never watched one of his shows, <laughs> but I kept getting that clip sent to me, and I was like, wait a second. This is him? That's this him. is the guy? And I'm, I was like, I'm all right. I'm surprised he still has a job, but, you know, it is. That was comical. I, I decided not to touch that clip because yeah. I knew if I were to touch that clip, he just would be more famous. Like, at that, he just said what he He's just saying what he needs to say, if you know what I mean. Like, that made zero sense whatsoever. And I'm not trying to knock a guy like Geno Smith, but Geno Smith is not playing great football. His team defense won that game. And if you watch that game on Monday night, I mean, 11 sacks? Like, it's not easy to manage a game and, and come out victorious when your team is getting you the ball back on your side of the 50 every single time. And when, when your defense puts up points for you, you know. So... Um, look, Nick Wright, he's going to be Nick Wright at the end of the night. He he needs to go back to being an NPC on um, Assassin's Creed. Because <laughs> that's all I think about when I see his face. Like, that's what he looks like to me. But anyway, remember last week or like maybe the week prior, like we've been talking about how good Purdy is in the intermediate throws. Uh, well, he was once again perfect on them on Sunday, three for three, 61 yards which now through the first four weeks of the season, his intermediate throws, he's 22 for 24, 385 yards, two touchdowns, and a 146.5 passer rating. By the way, guys, I know it's early. I, I know that, you know, maybe it's a long shot, but pretty right now he has a seventh best odds to win MVP. Like that's, that's pretty good. So some people are seeing what we're seeing at least. Uh, maybe sometimes the haters are a little bit louder, but you know, a lot of people respect Brock Purdy, including Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that was kind of cool to see him, you know, give Brock his props. But you know who also has MVP odds is Christian McCaffrey. Six best odds to win MVP so far. It's probably a long shot to say that, you know, by the end of the season, McCaffrey will win it because MVP is historically this, like, award for quarterbacks. It's hard to argue that a running back is more valuable than a quarterback to their team. But yeah. but if he puts up these kind of numbers for the rest of the year, I mean – Anything is possible, right? Through 18 games with the 49ers, he has 21 touchdowns, 2,226 all-purpose yards. And for this season, he's on pace for 1,951 rushing yards, 599 receiving yards. Those receiving yards alone, that's wide receiver three numbers. You have like a RB1 and a wide receiver three put together in Christian McCaffrey. Like that's that's pretty crazy right now. And what he's doing for this team he he's doing it all. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, sorry, ahead, my bad, Wayne. I Chris, Christian Christian McCaffrey is literally a godsend. Uh, I'm so happy that everything worked out in the way it needed to work out. I'm so happy John Lynch said f those picks, uh, and I'm so happy his health is working out for him here in San Francisco because to me that was the only yellow flag and it wasn't necessarily a red flag it was the only concern can he find a way to stay healthy and he's proven that he can now look i know that the mvp is a quarterback award i get it but if i ask myself which it's tua right and and he's probably number one on that that odds i'm not sure i don't have it in front of me but if it's Tua, if it's josh allen like who like and then it's christian mccaffrey which player nine times out of ten will stay on that trajectory. I feel like quarterbacks tend to go down. Um, they would have to play more like a like a Patrick Mahomes 
type of season, and he's not even that great this year. Like, he's looking a little different. So if Christian McCaffrey keep – look, if he can score a touchdown in every game for the rest of the season, that's – like that's a crazy record that he'll be setting like how can he not be one or two in the MVP votes by the end of the season so all Christian McCaffrey has to do is continue to stay healthy and continue to stay dominant and focused and he probably can be running right into the MVP with something that none of us have seen since 2012 yeah I mean he's he's unbelievable I put out you know when we traded for CMC, I was thinking it'd be like a second with a future third. We traded a two, three, four, and a five. And immediately I was like, man, we overpaid, but he's incredible. Now you look back on it, and it's like, man, if we traded two first round picks for Christian McCaffrey, it would have been worth it. Would have been <laughs> worth it. Like, yeah, I don't like you could not overpay for what he has brought to this team. And, yeah, he's incredible. Do I think he's going to win MVP? I do not, even if he stays on this pace. There's so many sports writers that just have this caveat in the back of their head, and they're the ones that vote on it, that, oh, the most important position in pro sports is quarterback. Therefore, the most valuable position has to be a quarterback. And I think that's stupid. Uh, Change the terminology of the MVP. That's also why we bet really big on Christian McCaffrey being the offensive player of the year, which I do think that he will win. Um, And we're going to get paid out huge on that. Um, So, anyway, I'll. I'll, I'll digress. <laughs> no, that was a that was a good bet to make um, before the season started. And I know that Kyle Shanahan is using him a ton, but for you know how much you gave up for him, and you know right now it's looking like peanuts compared to his production. I don't blame Kyle one bit for how much he's using him. And I mentioned this yesterday on Bully Ball. He's averaging five point seven yards per carry and seven point eight yards per catch. That's efficiency. That's easy And against money. loaded boxes. Uh, yes, against loaded boxes. And I, I, I would even expect he keeps it rolling against Dallas. I was looking at Dallas's defense against the run. It's not as good as I would have thought it'd be. Um, so I still think there's opportunity for Christian McCaffrey here to get rolling. And as we know, the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, can use him all over the field. It's not not just going up the middle. Um, it's not just this vanilla thing with uh, Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, I think he could keep it going. And I'm really excited for this matchup. Uh, but you know what's crazy is, like, this offense, we talked about Purdy, the quarterback, CMC, the running back. And then two weeks ago, we were talking about how special Debo is and how he could flip the momentum of a game with a single play. He's awesome. But nursing his injuries in week four, uh, he, he didn't get many touches on the football. Instead, it was Ayuk who blew up once again because he had an amazing uh, week one as well. I thought he was well on his way to having a good week two as well if – like he didn't suffer that shoulder injury kind of early in that game. It looked like he was going to be involved uh, pretty heavily against the Rams. So unlike other years where Ayuk has been kind of boom bust in this offense, he'd have a big game, then kind of go quiet. He'd have a big game, maybe two, then go quiet. It's kind of the the nature of this offense where there's so many mouths to feed. So guys are going to, you know, guys like Kittle who kind of fall off the radar. Uh, it felt like that was a case for Ayuk sometimes last year. But I'm starting to feel like Ayuk is going to be a mainstay in this offense all 2023. And the way he's playing, you have to feed that man because he is cooking. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the, the offense in Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy uh, mainly. And this is part to credit him because he just knows when they're in man and when they're in zone. And I think he, he, he 100 percent trusts Brandon Ayuk against any defensive back safety tandem and man coverage. There's not a doubt in my mind. I watched him do it last week. I watched him do it week one. And then when you get a a zone-based defense like the Rams, guess who he went to? Right across the middle of the field, Brandon Ayuk. This is Brock Purdy's guy. Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel during the preseason or during the offseason said something that you can't cover him in a phone booth. And that's why, like, you can press him, you can play off. You better not play off on him because then he'll route, you, he'll route you up. So, like, how do you cover this guy? And that's why I said at the beginning of this episode, I was like, you know, the 49ers have, like, number players in number one positions, like, 
Now you got a number one wide receiver who's probably right now the best wide receiver in the league when he's out there on the football field. And I know people are going to be like, no, it's Justin Jefferson. It it could be. It's, it's, I'm just telling you what Brandon Ayuk is doing. 129 yards, 148 yards. Can you imagine if he played week two and then was able to go week three, what the score would have been or what it would, how different it would have been? Like, it's just he's needed – He's an integral part of his offense, and the 49ers are going to be paying a number one wide receiver to add to the back. That That's amazing. So that's, what, eight positions now that's going to be getting top money? I love it. The Niners are rolling, and Brandon Ayuk is part of this, part of this regime. Yeah, I, I, I think, Wayne, you always say it well, man. And when you talked about Ayuk versus man coverage, another thing that Brock Purdy does, I think, that is really significant is he can identify man coverage so damn quick, which is crazy because he's not even 24 years old yet. But when it's man coverage, he's going to Iuke or Kittle. Like that's just what he does. So if it's man coverage, I'm going to these guys. If it's zone coverage, I'm looking for Debo. I'm looking for CMC. Like it's just like, okay, this or that, this or that every time. And the difference between Iuke, and I do think he is the number one wide receiver on this team. I saw in the comment section is you target, you know, whatever Ayuk was out, you target Debo 12 times, he gets six catches, and they're contested, and he's fighting for those things. You get with Ayuk out there, it's six targets and six catches because nobody's close to him. That dude is just generating so much separation on these routes that it's just a comfort area for Brock. Like, it's seven-on-seven seven football. It's routes on air whenever he's throwing to Brandon Ayuk. It doesn't matter if they're in a cover two and he's running a skinny post. It doesn't matter. I'm going to trust number 11 against everybody else and consequences be damned. And guess what? There hasn't been any consequences yet. So until somebody can start to figure out and make those plays not beneficial for the 49ers offense, if I'm Brock Purdy, I'm just going to keep slinging it to 11. I think like what we're seeing is that Brock has a lot of trust in Ayuk too. Um, and, and that certainly has helped, especially on Sunday when Ayuk had catches of 20, 34, 25, 42, 11, and 16 yards. Chunk Yards King. His average depth of target on Sunday was 21.3. That was the highest of his career. And so I think like we're also seeing not just Ayuk come alive, but also it, it's uh, – untapping something in this offense we hadn't seen before and that's these like deep throws right that Brock is is getting more comfortable with and he's trusting his receivers on them as well um these back shoulder throws that we were saying he's hitting those too so clearly it's something Brock's working on um Ayuk to me he seems to be getting better every week um and he still has zero drops by the way so that's nice um I don't know if he has stick them on his gloves, but man, those those hands are sticky, man. He he's catching everything coming his way, so I would trust him as well. And it certainly feels like this offense is taking a step forward this year. We love to see that. In years past, the defense has at times had to carry the offense, and I know we've taken a bit of a step back in you know the def- defensive side of the ball in 2023. We're not seeing the sacks we were seeing before. I keep hearing, where's Nick Bosa? I am still not at that point where I'm worrying about the defense or even where I would say, you know, the offense is carrying the defense. That's a little much. I don't, we're, we're not there. And, and I do want to uh, answer Gammon's question here. Shout out, Gammon. Thanks for the donation. He said, Cowboys are playing their best season football. 49ers haven't even peaked yet. How is Drake Jackson looking? We need more cowbell and pressure. Look, I I agree that the sacks, yes, I would like more of those. But at the same time, like, the 49ers are getting pressure. Like, they are. It just hasn't really turned into sacks quite yet. And I think part of it is, like, teams are playing this defense a little bit differently so far through these first four games of the season. They're getting the ball out a lot quicker. Last week, Dobbs, um, he was getting the ball out 2.68 seconds. That was second fastest release time that week. Uh, Daniel Jones, 2.63. Stafford in week two, 2.57. Kenny Pickett was probably like the slowest release time they faced all year. That was 2.89. But you get my point. Like, I think there's a concerted effort for teams to get the ball out quicker. And at all times, they know where Nick Bosa is at. He's being double teamed the most out of like any defensive lineman out there. 
And yet, like, we did see some plays where Bosa was so close to getting the Dobbs and credit the Dobbs for getting the ball out quick. But even then, it did force incompletion. So it's not always going to lead to a sack where you get, you know, the loss of yards and all that. We would all love to see that. But sometimes it leads to other things, too. Um, And so that can't be discounted. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look. He's there. He's applying the pressure. 20 pressures on the season as of right now, and he's leading the team in pressures. So with double teams, he's leading the team with pressures. Like, like the pressures are there. Uh, Steph, you hit the nail on the head. Like, these teams are coming out, and they're getting rid of the ball quickly, and that's the game plan against the 49ers defense because they know three or more seconds, they're coming after you. So if you can get the ball out of your hand in less than three seconds, you get that quick release, you know, good. Now, the difference between these quarterbacks – Matthew Stafford, experienced veteran, highly he was highly accurate on his quick releases, whereas Josh Dobbs and um, Daniel Jones weren't. And so, like, that's the difference. And now we're going to be playing a Dak Prescott, who I just don't think is an efficient quick release thrower either. So if as long as we can continue to get him to get the ball out of his hands, you know what pressure does to Dak Prescott. Yeah. It gets bad. It gets it gets meme worthy and gif worthy real quick uh, when that dude's back there throwing. But I'll say this: everybody keeps talking about the lack of pressures and sacks. That is not the main concern for this 49ers defense. The main concern is stopping the run game, and they're doing that in spades. The fewest rush attempts in the NFL, third uh, fewest yards rushing in the NFL. That's what they want to win in. Then you force the third and longs, and yeah. Like Steph said, every single team that comes in has the game plan. Get the ball out of your hand quick or Nick Bosa will kill you. Let them do that. It's not working. So uh, I understand there are certain metrics that we want. We got used to defensive player of the year. We've only had three in our entire franchise history, by the way. So it's not like last year is a constant and going to continually happen. That's not the goal. Yeah, Nick Bosa, I want him to break the sack record. And eventually maybe that will happen. That's not going to happen this year. Not going to happen. And that's okay because guess what? You're now playing more complimentary football. And if you're going to beat the 49ers, you're going to have to run the ball. And if nobody's going to try to run the ball on us, then guess what? The Niners are going to win a ridiculous amount of games. And that is what we should be focusing on because Steve Wilkes and this 49ers defense, their number one goal, stop the rushing game. And they're doing it. So I get the sacks. I want more. I get it. But stop the run game first, and they're doing that. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of that, I mean, and to go along with what I was saying earlier, the teams are playing this defense just a little bit differently. They're now, like, not even really attempting to run the ball against this defense. Instead, they're throwing the ball most in the NFL against the 49ers and the least amount against the 49ers. So that, to me tells you that defense or offenses are adjusting to what the 49ers have historically been doing. They've now been doing this for a few years now. So teams know what to expect when they're facing the 49ers. But look, this defense is still good. They're limiting teams so far to 14.5 points per game. Big test coming this week because to this point, the 49ers haven't faced a top 10 offense. Can you put that up there one more time? I'm so sorry. That was an awesome graphic. I'm I'm curious where Dallas and my is. my arrow is actually in the wrong spot for the bottom row. <laughs> gotcha, that should gotcha. be the right. 49ers, as as I said, uh, they're being passed against the most. So that's why we're wow. seeing you 180 know, pass plays against so, our defense. You're not going to beat us that way. That's why we got five picks. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. The Niners want to force you to throw the ball. They're really uh, they're really aiding and betting you to throw the ball down the field. That's where we feast. So they'll give up the underneath throws, be there, make the tackle, make sure you get hit. A couple of uh, situations happened that I didn't really like as far as the personnel that was out on the football field against the Arizona Cardinals when we were, like, in our base. Cardinals found a way to take advantage of that, but I think we fixed that up. Uh, I don't think you'll see the base out there. You won't see Fred Warner. Are you talking and, about Ambry Thomas when Ambry Thomas was out there? No, I'm talking about when Fred Warner was covering Malcolm Brown in that, in oh, that zone. Field, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, and then I'm talking about with Dre Greenlaw covering Michael Wilson. Like, like you won't see linebackers covering wide receivers typically in a 49ers defense, but, like, to me, that was those were some big explosive plays that we we allowed um but look steve wilkes is going to limit the explosive plays by giving up to underneath and that's what he's been doing and guess what 
we're four and zero doing it. So we'll we'll fig- it, it'll it'll figure itself out. I just didn't know that teams were they've thrown a hundred and eighty times. Yeah. Please run the ball. Please. You make anybody <laughs> one dimensional. It like you, you look at the Shanahan. You know, thank you for that graphic. That was incredible. I haven't seen that, Steph. Uh, you are incredible all the time. Um, I would say this: Shanahan's goal is to run the ball until you stop him. Like exactly. Shanahan, like look at the Green Bay NFC Championship game. Like we'll Raheem Mostert the heck out of you, and if you want to stop that, then we'll start to throw the ball. And the 49ers have been really balanced offensively, but yeah. we're trying to do what nobody else wants to do. If you force somebody into just throwing the damn ball against you, eventually stuff's going to go wrong with a sack or an interception. And so you cannot consistently beat the 49ers unless you run the ball. And if teams are already conceding the fact that they can't run the ball before they even step on the field, that's a trip, man. Um, but Niners going to win a lot of games if that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think so too. And I think we're just going to see Wilkes get more comfortable, um, you know, calling – plays for this defense because I think we've seen him like experiment with some things. And like Wayne, you, you mentioned uh, some of those things where we're seeing, you know, linebackers and coverage quite a bit. They adjusted. Um, and also Ambry Thomas. Uh, I want that experiment to end. I know he's a Michigan guy, you, Wayne, you're probably a fan of him, but I I just don't think he's it. And so I, I hope that these little experiments, when when Wilkes figures out what works and what doesn't, then this defense could really hit the ground running and they're not going to look back. But, John, I want to um, actually put up a tweet that you uh, tweeted earlier. Oh, I know that guy. And <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's kind of good. He's He's got a pretty <laughs> good uh, Twitter. Uh, so, and, and it's about the opponents that 49ers and Cowboys have faced thus far because it haven't been very good. So... Going into this game, this is the biggest test for both teams on the season, and I think it's a great measuring stick. I know a lot of people are like, you know, the Cowboys really need this game. They they really need to know how they measure up against the 49ers because that's basically like the 49ers live rent-free in the Cowboys' heads. Everything they did this offseason, I had a Cowboys fan literally tell me this, everything they did this offseason was to get over the 49ers' hump. Mm-hmm. And I truly think that's the case, right? And so, anyway, I still think, like, the 49ers are one of the most balanced teams in the NFL right now. Their offense is number two in DVOA. Their defense is number seven in DVOA. And there are only four teams in the NFL that can say their offense and defense are top ten in DVOA. You know who can't? The Cowboys. Cowboys can't say that. They are not one of those four teams. So, I think, like, going into this one, it's going to be a tough matchup because – I I know how much Dan Quinn, all the experience he has with Kyle Shanahan, certainly in in the games that we've seen, that has played a a role, right, in in him being able to kind of like suss out what the 49ers are wanting to do on offense and being able to stop that. And Cowboys defense is pretty good. The the one thing like I'm kind of wondering on the offensive side of the ball is like the 49ers offensive line. Are they going to hold up? In week four, the 49ers offensive line had a 78.6 pass block win rate. Their previous high was 61.1 against the Rams. Um, and so the run block grade was also or run block win rate was also pretty good. It was fifth um in week four. And so the question is. Was this a product of their improvement and them gelling and getting better? We've been talking about how, like, just give them time. They're going to improve. Or is it the fact that they were facing the Arizona Cardinals and the Cardinals don't have that good of a defensive line, um, you know, if you compare them to the three previous defensive lines? And in particular, the defensive linemen that were lining up against the right side of the line, right? This week is going to be a bigger challenge. So, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about the offensive line going into this one. I really hope that they can hold up. Yeah, I think it could be a bit of both, though, right? Like, so, like, you can say, look, the Niners' offensive line and pass, plot, pass protection or pass blocking got better. Um, uh, and you can say it could be because they just didn't have the same tiered defensive line players uh, that we faced throughout the, you know, throughout the season. So when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, they got a front. 
right? They got a defensive front and and a front seven, and you know it's going to be led by uh, Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, and th- those are two top guys, defensive ends in the in the league. Like they're they're pretty good, or outside linebackers, whatever you want to call them, right? And so they're good. Let, let's not keep it. Let's keep it a buck. One of them should be neutralized, and the other one is going to have try to have their way. Um, <laughs> you know what I would do. I, I literally would just, you know, I know we're talking about pass blocking with, with whatever, but this is going to be a Christian McCaffrey heavy run type. I'm just going to run at him. I'm going to run at yeah. Micah and force Micah to make the tackles, force Micah, get him, get his ass tired. Like, and then you, you find a way to win. So you got to look to help your offensive line in whatever ways you can. And this is where Kittle comes in and uh, Charlie Warner and these, these pass blocking tight ends, you know, the running backs chipping, you know, these edge rushers and things like that. So they do have probably the the best how uh, they 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 have the best defensive front that we have faced. I, I will say Pittsburgh Steelers defensive front, excuse me, was damn good. But, you know, unfortunately, they lost Cameron Hay- uh, Hayward in, in the game, and it was all on T.J. Watt. So I would, if I had to rate, like, the defensive fronts that we're playing, if we just talk about the front four or three or whatever, like, it would be the Cowboys and then the Steelers. And then I think we took care of the, And the Giants, how can I forget about the Giants? They have a, they're good, too. So it might be the, the, the Cowboys, Giants, and then Steelers. These are guys that get after the quarterback. But we were able to neutralize them uh, and limit the sacks and so will Brock get sacked in this game I'm sure of it um but I feel like they'll be limited and I think the offensive line is starting to gel and and it's week five they're communicating better uh and Colt McKivitz I mean if he doesn't get beat on that spin super spin move and if Brock helped him out just a little bit it might not have been a sack on Colt McKivitz in my opinion yeah I well said. Yeah. Their strength is the defensive ends, and they're going to bring it. And so I felt like every time we played the Cowboys, the plan was run at their weakest, softest player on their team, and that was their cornerback, Trayvon Diggs. He's not playing anymore. So I want to do that same thing to the other finesse player that they have, and that's Micah Parsons. Arizona Cardinals kind of gave the blueprint. You run right at that dude. Their five largest runs of the day were straight at Micah Parsons. Um, he doesn't like to be hit in the mouth. He doesn't like that. So you go at him, always bully bullies. Uh, that's just kind of the way I, I believe in that in football and in life. And that dude, that's what he wants to do. Literally, he's a bully. Um, so you go right after him. And so I hope they do that in the run game. Now, yeah, he's going to have some success. And if he doesn't, Demarcus Lawrence is pretty damn good, as Wayne said. They've got a lot of guys coming off the edge there, so it, we'll have to see what it looks like. But man, you run the ball, you run the ball, and a lot of CMC. That's what I care about. And so, if that's taking place, then it doesn't matter what they do because if we are ahead of the chains, this Niners efficiency will continue to be there. Now, Steph, you said earlier in the show, and I agree with you. Brock's probably worst game, which wasn't a bad game, was against this Cowboys defense. Yeah. He, he didn't cost the game then. Can he? This is a true test for has Brock elevated because their defense is better than it was last year. Yeah. Even without Diggs. I, I'm not the biggest Diggs guy. And he was a very bad matchup for Brandon Ayuk. I mean, we literally went right at that guy back to back years and abused him in the run and pass game. So I think it actually helps the Cowboys. This is a weird statement that Diggs isn't playing because Deron Bland is actually a physical football player that likes to tackle. Um, so yeah, I, I'm curious to see what this is going to look like because this is a true litmus test for Brock Purdy in this offensive line. Yeah, it is. And I agree. Like sometimes with these very like over aggressive defensive linemen like a Micah Parsons, you you just have to run right at them because I don't know, they they shoot right out of a cannon and you know, before you know it, Christian McCaffrey's running right past you kind of thing. So I think the 49ers definitely could use some of that in their game. I do want to mention that, you know, Dak Prescott, I know like I don't really respect him as as a quarterback. Uh, just based on how he's kind of folded in these games against the 49ers. But they're kind of, they have him in this like Jimmy Garoppolo kind of offense right now where he's throwing short and he's getting the ball out very quickly to kind of limit mistakes and just get, you know, move the ball 
in this kind of dink and dunk fashion. And so, you know, Wayne, I mean, uh, John, you were talking about Brock and how, well, you might, you both probably mentioned this, that Brock kind of has to need to help out the offensive line. I think he's done that pretty well through these first few games. He's getting the ball out pretty quick, seventh quickest in the season. He's averaging 2.56 time to throw. So that's fast. Dak Prescott is 2.49 right now. So that, again, it's going to be a challenge for the 49ers defensive line to get home on Dak. And so I personally, I think you should just like drop back more in coverage. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that, you know, Steve Wilkes should dial up the blitz and, you know, make Dak Prescott fold in this game? Because every time you pressure him, that seems to be the way to just get him off his game and, get him making inaccurate passes, throwing interceptions, things like that. I think you're going to see the similar game plan when we played Matthew Stafford in the Rams. I think that's exactly the blueprint the Niners are going to be looking to do. Um, let Allow Dak, you know, to, I don't want to say cook, but allow the underneath stuff to happen until you force him to get back into the big play. I could get this ball down the field because I, I, can, I can feel it, and then boom, interception, 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 right? And that, to me, is what you do, and that's when your pressure comes in. So the pressure is going to be there all game. If this guy's getting the ball out of his hands in 2.49 seconds, it's we're probably not going to get to him, right? Like, unless it's just no one blocking uh, a, a defender and they just straight line or whatever to the quarterback. And so, like, Dak's going to look to get the ball out of his hands really, really quickly. Uh, another fun fact, only one of his four touchdowns is to a wide receiver, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, they're terrible in the red zone. And so you just want to limit Dak, let him go underneath. If they get to the red zone, they can't score. So, like, at the end of the day, like, the Niners have the blueprint. They've seen it four times from four different quarterbacks. None of them are Dak Prescott, but I feel like Dak kind of takes pieces of all the quarterbacks we've played so far, and they just know they have a blueprint on them. And for Brock Purdy, he'll go out there and do the exact same things he's been doing all season long. He'll adjust to the blitz. He'll adjust to the pressure. He'll adjust to this. And he'll continue to find ways to make plays. But you just got to continue to force pressure on Dak. But play your style of football. Make him go back to making his mistakes. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, you know, you talked about how all of his touchdown passes were to running backs and tight ends. Yeah. If only we had good coverage, linebackers, and safeties. <laughs> uh, I believe we only given up <laughs> one touchdown, to, wait, wait, one to a running back and one to a tight end this year, right? Right. Pat so Farmuth and Kyron Williams. That's it. And so are they going to score points? Yeah, the Cowboys are a good team. And 31 so points a game. They're a good team. I'm not trying to say they're not. But Dak Cousins is going to make mistakes. That's just the truth. It's what it is. He's the Dak. He's the Kirk Cousins of the – well, they're both in the NFC. Yeah, Whenever right. the game is on the line, this dude going to piss down his leg because that's just who he is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Steph. I apologize. I'm going too far. I'll calm down. But I'm just going to say this. Yeah, there we go. See? 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 You got two flamers going today. You nailed it, man. Brocktober not turning into a punk. It's Cowboys dope, week, man. I'm on my game. I'm on my game. I love it. But no, I'm not concerned. And here's what's crazy. If the Niners don't get pressure, I don't care. I don't care. Because if you're playing off coverage, I want cover three, cover four, cover six. I want everybody looking at the quarterback. Allow the short breakoff routes. Don't and give a damn. Crack the mess out of them when don't they get care. the ball. Right. Because eventually, yeah. guess what he's going to do? He, it's going to be a pressure situation. And I don't mean pressure in his face. I mean an important third down play on third down or, or third quarter or fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. That dude's going to sell it because he's going to start sweating and he can't handle it. And it's going to be pick city. So I'm, I am if Dak Prescott is the way they beat us, then tip of the hat. Because I just do not believe in this guy. I don't believe in the head coach. I do like Dan Quinn. I do like this defense. But if you're going to rely on Dak Prescott to beat this 49ers team, good Lord, you are in for a rude awakening, my friends. Yeah, I mean, Dak kind of reminds me of, like, Jimmy Garoppolo in a sense, where, like, you do kind of have to 
keep him in in within a structure, a very strict structure for him to succeed. And if he plays out of that, it it could get dangerous, right, for the for that team. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to see what the 49ers dial up against Dak. I think it's just a matter of time. Let the game come to you. And I think it will happen for this defense. So we're all going to be in the building on Sunday. John, you're you're doing the 49ers Gold Rush tailgate. Uh, but Wayne, you're doing a little something on Saturday, right? Tell us a little bit about that first. Yeah, Saturday is like the pre-tailgate, right? So Saturday is going to be the video shoot to my song, Faithful to the Bay, featuring Travis King, Lake City Fresh. So we're going to be out there. We're going to be shooting a music video in San Jose, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on that Saturday. If you RSVP on the website, TWBEN.com backslash RSVP, uh, they're filling up. So the first 49 is going to get a cool rally towel, faithful to the Bay rally towel. That way you can have at the football game and you can, you know, do what you got to do, helicopter in the air. But listen, it's going to be fun. We're going to have food. We're going to have music. And most of Importantly, you guys are going to be featured in the music video if you come out there. So it's going to be at the Debo Samuel mural uh, by the Shoe Palace out there in San Jose. It's going to be a great time. What a way to start your morning. Don't go to the gym. Just come to the video shoot and we'll have some fun. Love it, man. And then uh, Sunday morning, we've got our tailgate out in Blue Lot, uh, which is going to be awesome. Get your tickets, 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. We're going to have TVs with Red Zone. Wayne's going to be running the music and the mic. We've got unlimited giveaways. It's ridiculous. All you can eat, drink, beer, Chapman margaritas, premium liquor, you name it. We got it. And I got to tell everybody, prices go up after today. So today's the last day that early bird pricing is going to be out there for the tailgate. We've already sold a lot of tickets, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so if you're thinking about going, get your tickets today because tomorrow morning, whenever I wake up, the price is going to go up a little bit. Hey, hey, he's putting you on notice. All right. <laughs> he's calling you all out. Don't be late. Um, but all right. Yeah, no, that it's going to be a really, really fun weekend. I'm excited to see you guys and hang out with you guys and all the faithful who are going to be there. I'm so pumped for this game. It's going to feel like a playoff game and it's week five. Like th- there's nothing better than that. So um, I'm really excited, guys. And Folks, for all you guys watching, we appreciate you. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Links to John and Wayne's channel if you're watching on my channel right now. Um, Go to their channel and also give a thumbs up. Give a subscribe if you haven't yet because we're showing love to everyone here. And audio listeners, follow the 49 Cares podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to leave a review. Man. I'm so excited for Sunday, but for now, guys, have a good rest of your Wednesday. Peace.